You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with the very legendary Peter Tagtron. He is touring Australia in May with his band Pain. I'll read out some dates quickly. On the 23rd of May, they're playing in Perth. The 24th, they're playing in Adelaide. The 25th, they're playing in Melbourne. The 26th, they are playing in Sydney. And finally, on the 27th, they are playing at the Zoo in Brisbane. Apologies that I don't actually have the... Days of the week that they're playing readily available, but I'm sure you can go online and find out very quickly yourselves. Anyway, let's have a listen to what Pete has to say. Heads up, we talk a lot about Celtic Frost, one of my favourite bands of all time, so it was really interesting to get Peter's insight on that, particularly because he had so much to do with their final album. Let's go. Peter, it's Andrew McKay-Smith. Apologies for my uh, tardiness by a few minutes there. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm not too bad. Yeah, the bloody phone card's playing up, so I've just decided to dial in myself from Skype. But all good, mate. All good. What's what's the day held for you so far? Uh, well, it's time soon to go to bed <laughs> and then fly to Berlin <laughs> tomorrow, but for some meetings. But uh, I have six six interviews, so that's no problem. Yeah, all right. Well, I always ask this question, mate, because I'm always fascinated by the response, but how have the interviews with the Australian media, indie journalist types been going for you? Because I know you did a ton, a couple of, uh, yesterday or thereabouts. Um, you got a few yeah, coming actually, up now. Yeah, today. Yesterday, yesterday, your day. But today, this uh, I started at 12 o'clock at noon, my time. Oh, wow. Did seven or eight of them, and now I'm going to do six more today. So it's all good. All good. It's for a good cost, you know? So then it feels easy. It is, mate. And it's it's a good cause that almost didn't happen because of what happened with um, Bald Face Tag Productions or Promotions or whatever they're called, mate. But you've got to be excited that you're finally coming back down here because I think you came down here with hypocrisy once before, if I'm not mistaken. No. No, not, no. I was actually here, um, when was that, 2015 with uh, Lindemann doing promotions. Lindemann, okay, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, so I never, I never played in in, uh, in Australia. So, wow, okay, we're all like, very, very excited. What you have know? you, what have you heard about us then, uh, as an audience? What, what's the feedback been from some of your compatriots and and people in other bands? Well, they 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 put you very high on the pedestal. So I expect nothing less. <laughs> you know, are you able that's to for sure? No. Are you able to bring down a full show when you come to Australia, or is it something that's a bit more stripped down? It's a little stripped down, but you know we we go on full stage clothes and and you know do our shit. And uh, I mean, I I don't even know what kind of places we're playing down there, you know. So uh, I mean, drums of course we can't fly with us, but everything else we bring with us, you know. Yeah, but, you know, it all playing. depends of the of the lights and everything. You know what's in the venue and and so on. But you know, we'll definitely do our best, and hopefully this will do good. I mean, it, it seems like it's been pretty good response, and so far we send out some stuff on Facebook and only for Australia and stuff like that. And it seems like people are really pumped to to um, see this stuff. You know. I think so. I mean, look, you. I mean, it must be said. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people at this point in time, almost three hundred or thereabouts. You know, um, a lot of people from your part of the world, actually, in Scandinavia, there. But you're unique yeah. in that you've had such a long and productive and a fruitful association with heavy metal. I mean, I, I got into hypocrisy way back in 1995 or thereabouts, and um, yeah. I, I even remember getting back into a band called The Abyss that you were in. Yeah. Um, 
So to finally see you come down here, mate, it's quite a thrill for a lot of people just to see you up on stage because you're one of those blokes, as I say, has had such a long and fruitful association with heavy metal. But do you get do you get a lot of feedback from people when you're playing in, whether it's with Lindemann, Payne, Hypocrisy, even the Abyss back in the day, that you've had a significant impact on them because of your production, the the, the way that you've approached your production with bands like Immortal and... Celtic Frost, we'll talk about that in a moment, but Jesus, you're one of those guys that, yeah. that is part of Celtic Frost's overwhelming legacy. Yeah, I, I was really happy to be a part of that that one because, I mean, I, I grew up on Cel- uh, Celtic Frost and Hellhammer, you know, in hmm. 82, 83, 84, I can't remember exactly when, but somewhere around there, you know, when I was growing up, you know, so it was great to to uh, actually produce an album with them, you know, uh, in later years. The same with Destruction. It was really fun to have them in my studio. You know, it's something that I was brought up on and formed as a metal fan, you know, and also as a writer. You know, all these bands that that came in the 80s, they are very influences on, on the way I write, even if I don't play the same kind of music. But in there somewhere... It, it rubbed off on me, you mm. know? so it's and then to be able to sit and produce these bands, it's yeah, it's dream come true, you know. Yeah, I look. There was an album that uh, Monotheist was an album that I think confused a lot of people when it first came out because the tuning was so low. But then once you got past that, you realised it was a it was a it was an album that really carried on from. I don't know. Would you say it carried on from uh, into the pandemonium? It's sort of hard to say that because it'd been such a long gap. But it's it's an album. You're, you're, yeah, I mean, it's so deep, that album. It has so many different kind of uh, point of views in, in, in musical directions. You know, it's almost like a, a, a theater piece, kind of. You know, it's got so many different elements in it. It's more than just a metal album. You know, it has so many weird hmm. stuff in there, and it's... Yeah, it's a journey, you know, to listen to that album. It's something else, that's for sure. So when and when, it was hard fucking work to do. It oh, was really yeah. hard work. We we were all about to explode, you know, when we were working on it because you know all of us knew that you know this is a comeback album. It's very important. Yeah. They can't fuck up anything because then it's yeah, it's over before it's started again, you know. So. We're all on on real pressure, you know. We pressured ourselves, we pressured each other to to reach the the best we could do at the moment. And of course, it's been many, many fucking years between the last album and this one, you know. And people change. Yeah. Over twenty years, you know, you don't think the same anymore. You maybe don't write the same way anymore. And there's a lot of things you have to go back to to try to find these roots where they come from, you know. And what was the oh, having a mental blank? I, I know his name isn't Stephen Priestley, but who was the um, the drummer from the Two Megatherion and Into the Pandemonium era that they were talking about bringing back in? But it didn't quite. I know it didn't quite work out musically. What was his name? He's the most important drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The American guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Martin Reedsent Mark. Is it Reedsent Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But anyhow, he wasn't. They said he kind of lost it. I mean, not mentally, but yeah. he didn't have what it required to to do it. That's what I heard. So they took in another guy that uh, uh, 
that lived around their area, you know, in, in Switzerland, you know, instead mm-hmm. of flying people back and forth over the Atlantic. So, uh, and they've been jamming together and they've been working for a long time on these demos that they did, you know, and then they called me up and said, if I could come over for a meeting there and, uh, we listened to some stuff and they wanted to know me, how I was thinking about things and my point of view of everything. You know, I got a, like a really job interview, you know, Yeah, yeah. which was pleasant. You know, they flew me down there and everything was nice. I was very nervous, you know, to, to meet some of my heroes, you know, from the past, you know. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, in the end, I, I thought it was definitely the, the best thing they could come up with, you know. I mean, it has so many, like I said, so many different paths path in, in the in the songs you know it's really mm. yeah it's a it's a fucking adventure to listen to the album i think yeah i, th- I think it's one of those albums and your, your production really enhances the grittiness of the songwriting yeah. that they're using I, I think if they'd bought in somebody else who'd made it you know when i say too polished i think the way that your production style really brings out the the meanness of a guitar sound. So whatever a guitarist is trying to achieve, your production yeah. your production type really enhances that. You know whether it be. I, I really try to not change. I mean, that was the, the the first thing that I said to myself: like, do not change the guitar sound. You know, whatever I do, because they have a unique sound on the earlier albums. You know what made Celtic Frost Celtic Frost somehow. Yeah. You know, and so, so I really took care of that a lot. But of course, you know, they tuned down a lot, you know, so that changed the sound a little bit, but it's still the same character. You can hear right away on the first song, like, whoa, this is Celtic Frost. Mm. Yeah, gotcha. Hey, let's, uh, you cool if we talk about hypocrisy. Gosh, I know we're here to talk about pain in the tour that you're coming down here, but yeah. it's just, it's such a wonderful opportunity to finally chat to you. And I've got so many questions about your, your wonderful career, not just as a producer, but also as a musician. So, Probably my favourite album of yours, and this might surprise you because I don't know whether you, you get feedback on this album, but it's a self-titled album from 1999. I, I think that yeah. that's an album that set the scene for a lot of metal in the years to come afterwards. But what's the when it comes to hypocrisy, what's the album that you get the most feedback on as being uh, the most impactful album to a lot of fans? Oh, I don't know. It's so different. You know, it depends which fan you're talking to. Some people only like the three first albums. Oh, yeah. Other people just like the in the area of uh, uh, abducted, uh, you know, final chapter and the self-titled album. Some other people like the virus era and the, and the, the later ones, you know. So it it all depends. It's all really mixed up, you know. I really don't know myself what the hell are we gonna write for the next album to make everybody happy, you know? That that's impossible. So we're just gonna follow our hearts and and just write. I have like five five songs almost done, you know, and they, I don't know what they sound like. I mean, they, it's nothing new and we don't want to do anything new. We want to be like ACDC, you know, when you get an ACDC album, you expect it to sound like ACDC, you know? So I think we, that's what we're going to do with the hypocrisy as well. You know, it's interesting. We keep it. The, well, it's, it's something that's really interesting and you might not know this, but oh, you, you probably do, but, um, it was number the last album end of disclosure was number twelve on the U.S. Heat Seekers charts. I mean that's a bloody big accomplishment. I mean I know that physical copy and streaming doesn't shift the way it used to and appear on charts the way it used to and it skewed things. But mate, to get almost near the top ten in the kind of uncompromisingly metal band that the hypocrisy is, and with your outlook, mate, you got to be proud of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's still interest. 
you know, even though it's been 20 million years since <laughs> we first started, you know, now about uh, 21 to 26 years or whatever, you know. So, I mean, to to try to stay, you know, on a, uh, on the same level is pretty amazing, you know, because I see a lot of bands that's from the same era, you know, they're still not doing so good today, you know. Mm. Uh, when, when we started with all the other bands, you know, so a lot of bands have falling out and it's only a handful left you know that still sticks to the music that they did you know and still make it good so uh, we 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 very fortunate to to have the fan base i think well i think the thing with you uh, above and beyond a lot of people out there is that you seem very enthusiastic like just talking to you you actually had a number of discussions with shamir from destruction in the last six months or so you remind me of him the way you're talking you seem very enthusiastic about what you're doing so what what inspires you and what has kept you grounded if you like to the point where you're committed to this life of heavy metal uh just stay true to yourself and always try to do better it's never good enough you know that's probably the only thing that really drives me you know to make better and better albums or better songs or whatever it's called you know yeah so i mean for me it's just to improve all the time you know Improving all the time, yeah. So, have you got have you got any bands that you you'd like to work with on the horizon? Like, is an Opeth or a band like that someone that you'd like to collaborate with in the future? I don't know. I mean, uh, of course, like all the other producers, you know, you always want to do bigger and bigger. You know, it's it's a kick. You know, of course, you know, but it's also good to do like underground stuff that really where you're from and what what mm. you are brought up on you know so i mean i'm pretty open to do different things all the time you know yeah there is nothing like oh i want to do the next metallic album or whatever things like that it's not really in my mind you know yeah well i was just about to make that point now maybe not metallica because they're in another dimension you know they're almost aliens these days those guys in terms of the stratospheric heights that they've achieved but a band their sounds it just get worse and worse for every album (laughs) no i agree i i don't i've i've done a i've done something approaching and not a hype uh i've done like a, a massive blog entry where I talk about the change from post, you know, that loader series of albums up to now and all of the personal issues that they've had in between it, very publicised and that bloody awful um, video that they released, uh, Some Kind of Monster. And um, it just reads like yeah. a reality TV show with Jerry Springer hosting it, a lot of the uh, the stuff that they decided to wear. But no, I don't disagree with you on that one there. They're a very challenging and very complex band in 2018. And yeah. um their, their first three I think albums. Ru- it, it, it rubs off on on the the poor person who has to mix it. You know, I guess he has no choices. You know, they tell him what to do, and there's no free mind there. You know, to mix it, and and I don't know. You know, it, it for me it still sounds like bad demos. You know, if you compare it to before, load and reload. Even the the garage tapes sounds better. You know, the last one. Yeah, yeah. Than the newer productions. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just weird. I mean, they could have such killer sound, you know, if they wanted. Well, they're not that good a live band anymore, I must say. Uh, I don't know whether they've lost it. I mean, these guys, both um, Robert Truilio, who's a tremendous musician, and um, Kirk Hammett, when they were in Denmark, did a cover of AHA's Take Me On. Did you see that on on Twitter or YouTube? No, 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 I didn't want to see it. (laughs) It wasn't pretty. So someone posted it and I didn't even want to see it. 
It wasn't pretty. It was actually, I mean, I'm I pl- I'm a covers musician, so that's what I do. That's that's the work that I do. Mm. Is I cover bands and 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 I, I play four hour sets most weekends and um, make their version of it. I don't yeah. even know why they did it because it it was uh, Robert singing's out of tune and uh, Kirk can't really. I've known this for a while though, and I've noticed it. Kirk has has a bit of trouble on the guitar these days. I think it's fair to say he misses notes. So you hear those bum notes oh, coming okay. through. Anyway, sorry, oh, really? I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, yeah, okay, final question. But, but still, hey, they laughing all the way to the bank anyhow, so it doesn't matter. It's And that's probably very important to them, it must be said. I suppose, well, look, if you release those first three albums, more power to you, I suppose, go and, you know, release all these weird albums like Lulu and just about everything they've done since, what, 1994 and 1995. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of... Kind of lost the interest after the Justice for All. I mean, you know, the Black Album is a classic album. You know, it's more rock and roll. You know, more commercialized. You know, it, it's good songs. Everything is really good. You know, but then after it got a little bit too bluesy for me. The guitar sound is not there anymore. You know, it's it sounds like old tired men playing guitars. Yeah, it sounds like they've been listening to too much Bob Seger and bloody um, Kenny Rogers and on the tour bus. And it's somehow yeah. infected their their sound, and I think um, with the cover of um, what was the Bob Seger song they did on Garage Inc. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, now. turn the page. Turn the page. That said, that yeah. spoke volumes to me as a musician where their heads were at. That they'd cover something yeah. like but that. But you know, we we all grew, we all grow up. I mean, I listen to a lot of Johnny Cash, and I listen to a lot of hillbilly country music and stuff like that. But I still haven't done a country song, you know. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> I, I, I try to keep that for my own taste. You know? <laughs> country is the country and urban music are the two things I can't get into. Um, it's just hard, very hard yeah. to get into them. You know, mate, I'd better let you yeah. go because I know you got a few more coming up. But final point, mate, I've, I've recorded this obviously because I write for online articles. But it's been a wonderful chat. And do you mind yeah. if I release it as a podcast episode in my podcast series? Sure. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you, brother. No well, um, it's, I don't know whether we'll get a chance to catch up, but thank you so much for doing what you've been doing, uh, and I'll be in the audience when you come to Australia at least. Oh, great. Yeah, look me up. Have a couple of beers or so. Yeah, that'd be awesome, mate. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. All right, cool. cool. Thank you very much, and I'll see you in a few weeks. Fantastic, mate. Okay, all the best. Thank you. Okay, have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Peter Tugtrin from the band Pain. Thank you so much for listening.